Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, several months ago, um, we passed out these cards, and we asked you if you could hear a message about something in the Bible. If you have a question, what does the Bible say about X? You filled that out. And one of the questions, and, and quite significant, many questions came back about, do I need to share my faith? Or do, do, what about the lost in the world? And, and if someone ever hears about Jesus, what happens to them if they die? And so all these questions came in, and they were really all about evangelism, all about mission. Why does the church exist? Because this is very, very important. Now, I want you to hear my heart this morning. If we don't know our why as a church, we will lose our way. If you don't know the why, we will lose our way. And what will happen is, is we, we will start focusing on things because, or, or theologies or teachings, and we forget of why that is a focus. It's a focus because the why of the church, and we're going to look at the why of the church today, just so you know, the why of the church is so we can mobilize as a family and as a, as a, as a group of people who are called, let's say, to Faith Bible Chapel, and we can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. Amen? That's why we exist. And so I, I titled this today, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And there's a, a song that says, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Now, I was going to sing it, but I'm not going to. But should I stay or should I go? Every one of us in the family of God is called to make a difference with our lives. And so the question is for all of us, should I stay or should I go? Which, on, on a side note, I, this was going to be the last message of you asked for, but what I decided to do is take this on one more Sunday. So next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about how do you know if you're in the will of God? It's a question that a lot of people ask. How do you know what the will of God is, and how do you know if I'm in it? So I'm going to be talking about that. But this today is should I stay or should I go? Something that I believe for every one of you that is here. That God's hand is on your life. He has picked you. He's called you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows his plan. He knows the personality. He knows your struggles. He knows everything about you. And so his hand is on you, though, because he has a purpose for you. That every person on this earth is called to know God, to have a relationship with him. Called to find freedom, to be delivered from things in their life. That, that God has something better for you. You're called to discover your purpose. Why on earth are you here? Why are you breathing today? And you're called, once you discover that purpose, to make a difference with your life. That's actually the four purposes for why we exist as a church. And we ask the question, and as leadership, what do we want for every person that comes to Faith Bible Chapel? We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose. And we want you to make a difference. And we as leadership want to help you to do all four of those things. But before we answer the question, should I stay or should I go? Should I tell or should I, what should I do about all of this? I want to answer this question. What is God's plan in all of this? What is God's will for the world? I don't know if you've ever asked that question or not. Why did God create the world? Why did he make mankind? Why did he, he make us as a church? Why did he call you to be a part of his church? What is God's plan for the world? And we'll get right into this. Number one, God's plan for the world is this, to make a family that he can be with forever. It's the beauty of our God who loves us. He created us so that he could make a family and so that we could be with him forever. God is gathering his family. 
from around the world. He's bringing them in. He's calling them so that they could live with him and love him forever. This is about a, a plan of eternity in mind here. This is not about time on this earth, though it is important. This is about God gathering a family that he could, that could love him and live with him forever in eternity. The Bible makes this incredibly clear all throughout Scripture. The message was brought to us first by the nation of Israel, and God gave the message to the Jews to give to the rest of us now through God's Son, Jesus Christ, who came through the line of the Jews. He is the blessing from Israel to the whole of the world, and so now we're to pass that on to others. God's plan in history is that he is gathering people. He's gathering every race, every nationality, every tongue, every, every social um, economic person, wherever they are, he's gathering the world to be in his family. And he, he, if, if he wasn't gathering a family, he wouldn't have created a universe. He wouldn't have created a human race. And he would not have created you and me. He created you because he's longing to have a relationship with you, to be a part of a family. The Bible says this in Ephesians 1, verses 5. It says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Most of the time, the human race or mankind thinks that God is out to get them, that God is mad at you, that God's frustrated with you, that God has, he, so, he's just waiting to get you in a corner so he can slap you around a little bit. But this is what you need to see. God himself, the God of the universe, the God who created the universe, is, he's saying this, it has brought him great pleasure that he could bring you into his family. He desires for you to be a part of his family. And that's powerful once you understand that, that there are no orphans in the kingdom of God. There is no one in the kingdom of God without parents. There's no one in, in God's kingdom. You, you, you belong. This is your family. You come on in. You just, this is your house, and it's God's house, and he's, our, he's the father of the home. And this is what he's talking about. This is his heart and his nature. But all of us are created by God. All of us are loved by God. But here, here's the reality, and this is, this is a harsh truth. Not all of us are a child of God. The whole human race, we're all created by God. We're all loved by God. But not all of us will be a child of God. And you've got to choose to be in God's family. This is this, this tension of our free will and God's incredible, extravagant love towards us. And there's only two ways to get into a family. You can be born into it or you can be adopted into it. Both ways, you belong to that family and that family is yours. And the Bible uses both of these explanations. They're spiritual metaphors and they're about spiritual rebirth and spiritual adoption and what it means to be in God's family. For that to happen, God's whole purpose of, is creating and created a universe and he is gathering throughout the nations of the world people who are willing to love him, who are willing to say, yes, you have chosen me and I also choose you. In a marriage, it just doesn't take one person saying, I do. I do, I do weddings all the time. They kind of both have to say it for it to really stick, you know? That would be awkward, wouldn't it? Well, they said it, so I don't need to. No, no, it's about both of you making a commitment, I choose you, and the other person saying, and I choose you. 
And to think at any moment that the God of the universe who sent his son to die horrific death, the punishment that brought you peace was upon Jesus. To say that he would limit his family to us choosing to be in it or not blows my mind. But he's a loving God. It wouldn't be love if it was forced. And our job on this earth is to, is to make that message known to the rest of the world. And for us to know this, that there is an eternity that's coming, that this world is not our home. And many times we think it is, especially in an American culture where a lot, we have a lot of good things going for us. We have, we have economic security. We have, we have things that we deal with. Even, even in, our, in our poorest of time, we still had some type of security in America. And for us, many times we live for the now, but God is gathering a family that's not just about the now. The purpose of the now is to proclaim the message of himself, but the purpose of gathering a family so that we can be with him forever in eternity. So for God to gather his family, here's the kicker. Though he has called you, if I was to ask every one of you who knows Jesus today, and I would say, how did you hear about the message of Jesus Christ? I would say the majority of you said, well, I heard someone preaching, and I knew in my heart that was truth, and I chose to follow Jesus. So you heard the message from someone else. Now, does Jesus appear to people today and say, I am Jesus Christ, follow me? Yes, he does. It happens and you hear about it. But for the most case, it is through the mouth of somebody else who's proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this, everyone, everybody say everyone. Thank God for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say a select few. It doesn't say only people from a certain bloodline or certain economic status or people who grew up in the church. Or people. It, does, it says everyone or anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call, though, on the one they haven't believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. This is what it's about. And so as we hear of God's plan for the world is to gather a family it's going to spend eternity with him. Here's the other question, then what is God's plan for you? And what is God's plan for me? Number two, I believe God's plan for us is to go and to bring others in, into his family. That's what I believe it is. It's to go and bring others into the family of God. That's why we exist as a church. The moment that I get saved, the moment that I give my life to Jesus Christ, something happens. It's no longer just about me. It's now about God's purpose and mission for my life on this earth. Everybody has a question. I, answer, I ask it probably every week, God, what on earth am I here for? God, why am I here? Why am I breathing? And I, and I need God to remind me constantly of, of why he's called me. And I want to remind you today, God has entrusted you with a message that is the greatest message on the face of the planet. And he's called you to be a part of this church called Faith Bible Chapel so that we could do ridiculous exploits on the earth for the glory of God. And we can gather his family on every four of the four corners of the earth that we could stand before him and present him millions of people before his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, if you're going to clap, do it right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But God's called us to bring others into his family. 
And so if I have the cure for a horrible disease, if you guys found out I had a cure for a horrible disease and I kept it secret and I didn't tell anybody, yes, but I had had it and I applied it to my life and applied it to to the disease, but I'm okay, but I don't want to tell anybody else because it's all about me. You think you are one selfish pastor. You would. You'd send me emails like crazy if you found out that would happen. And you, you write me letters, and how could you do that, Jason? If I, had, if I had the good news of Jesus Christ, if I had good news for other people, even if it wasn't Jesus Christ, and I didn't tell people, if I had the cure for cancer and I didn't tell anybody about it, that would almost be, it, it'd be criminal that I would do that. But here's the reality. God has given us even a greater message than the cure for a horrible disease, that we can have our past forgiven, we can, have, we can have a purpose for living, we can have the guilt and shame removed from our hearts, we can have a brand new start regardless of where you came from, regardless of what you've been through, that Jesus can ch- touch your life, he can change you, he can transform you, he can give you a life and a future, and all you have to do is say yes to him. That's some good news. That's amazing news. There's a broken and hurting and lost generation and lost world out there that is waiting for someone to speak truth to them in love and in kindness. Why? What is God's plan for us as a church? 1 Corinthians 5.18 tells us, says this, all this is from God speaking about the gospel who reconciled us to himself. So that's our step. We have been reconciled to God. There's no distance between us anymore through his son, Jesus Christ. And he gave us then the ministry of reconciliation. So not only did he reconcile us, he then gave to us. You now have the same ministry of reconciliation. And that is to reconcile mankind, a lost world, to the heart of God through his son, Jesus Christ. That is what God has called us to do. And there are many, many, many ways that we can do that. It would be a mistake to think there's only one way you can do it. It has to be this way. That's not what I'm saying today. What I'm saying is this, though. Our, our motive, our heart, our purpose is to, is to help God reconcile mankind back to himself. And many times there can be a big, um, people can be into big debates. In Bible college, you you have a lot of young people with a lot of zeal, and they will argue people up and down and tell them they're they're sinners and going to hell. and, 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 And guess how many of those I saw give their lives to Jesus Christ? None. I'm not saying that you don't you don't speak truth. I'm not saying that that's that there isn't a time that you have that discussion. God has called us to be people of wisdom, not people of judgment, to be people of truth, to speak it with love and compassion and kindness. Matter of fact, I came across a quote um, this week. It says this, that kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. Kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. And this is a passion of mine that, that we as a church would be the most generous, the most kind, the most loving group of people on the face of the stinking planet. When people walk in our church, they feel loved. And I will say this, people feel that from you. And people leave here thinking, that's the most friendly church. They, they love me. They, they're so kind to me. But I just think we can always do better. I just think we can love more. We can give more. We can be more passionate about people walking in our doors. And I'll talk more about outreach in just a moment. 
But there are many ways that we can be witnesses to Jesus. And so it doesn't have to fit in a box. You are uniquely made by God. His fingerprint is on your life. So many times people, they feel guilty. Well, I'm not like Billy Graham, so I guess God can't use me. That's not it at all. God has a specific call for you on your life that he's gifted you with, that you could do something in his kingdom and that you could make a difference. That's why we're called the body of Christ. Out of Corinthians, it says, why would the hand say to the eye, I don't need you? Well, that's ridiculous. We need each other. We all have different uniqueness. We all have different gifts. We all have different, different uh, things in us that help us to reach people that other people can't reach. But our lives are to be too focused. Two points of focus. We're to be focused on God. And then the other thing is we're to be focused on people. God, I want to serve you. I want to give you my life. And the other piece is, God, I want you to use me to touch other people's lives as well. And we, we can't. This is something you need to know. We can't convert anyone, just so you know. I can't change someone's heart. I I can't remove the sin from them. I can't call someone to step from a place of shame into a place of acceptance and love and kindness. I can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. But I can compassionately and passionately communicate the truth that we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he's crazy about you. And he loves you. And he's waiting for you to come to him. We, we have an opportunity to love people with truth. Not condemn them, but to love them with truth. When we're around people that don't know the truth, that's not a problem. That's, that's not a burden. It's a privilege to be able to share the truth as God opens those opportunities. And so this is what God's called us to do is to reach people around us, to be a light in the midst of darkness, to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And God can do that however he chooses with our lives. But we are called to do it together as a family. That's what God's called us to do. One time Jesus was teaching him, and, and another rabbi came up to him, and he, said, and he said, Teacher, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? And we've heard this a lot, and Jesus said this out of Luke chapter 10, verse 27. He says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And, listen to what he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the rabbi understood, yeah, of course, I'm going to love God with all my heart, mind, and soul, but this neighbor thing. And so what I love of what the, the, the rabbi or the teacher asked him, asked Jesus as well, he said this, who is my neighbor then? Have you ever thought of what a silly question that is? If I was to sit in your living room (laughs) and say, hey, listen, God's called you to reach your neighbor. And you say, yeah, but Jason, who really is my neighbor? I'd be like, that guy, that guy, that guy, that family, and this person back here. Yes, but who really is my neighbor? What he was doing is what he was trying to find a way that he didn't actually have to reach his neighbor. He wanted Jesus to say, well, your neighbor is your fellow Jew. But actually, he was saying, your neighbor is whoever is next to you right now. So if I was to ask you right now, who's your neighbor in this room right now? If I said, turn to your neighbor and say hello, who would you turn to? Right there. That's who you turn to. And so if if Jesus says, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love me. I want you to be crazy about me. I want you to just press into me. And I'm going to do amazing things because I want you to reach your neighbor. And so you're like, yeah, but who's my neighbor? And this is the question that many of us ask. 
but really, God, who is my neighbor? What we're saying is, but God, what if I don't want to reach my neighbor? What if I'd rather stand on the platform? What if I'd rather be a super, what if I'd rather, I, I would, what if I would just, I, I start my own ministry and I do my own website and I do my own YouTube channel. What if I do that? Do I really have to reach it? Because that's a neighbor. Listen, what do you think Jesus would say? He'd say, I still want you to reach your neighbor. You're still called to reach the people around you. As a matter of fact, even today, you can have as large of a ministry as you want, depending on who your website developer is. Maybe you'll catch that just for a moment. We have been called to reach people. People is what God is about. We have been given a mission. John 20, 21 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And I know there are people who are called to do different things. I'm, I'm not undermining that whatsoever. What I'm saying is this, is that all of us have been called to go. We've been called. We are sent by God to do something with our lives. And we as a church are called to follow this verse and recognize our calling. Just as the Father has sent me, Jesus, just as God sent me from heaven to this earth to save the lost, I'm sending you from this earth, from right wherever you are right here, to the rest of the world, to what? To bring peace and to bring reconciliation. And so we are sent to go and bring others into his family. That's what the call is on the church. Again, if we lose our why, my friends, we will lose our way. And it's, a, it's a question I'm constantly asking all the time. Why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? Why does the church exist? And I open this Bible and I say, why does the church exist? Why, and everyone wants to tell you why they think it all it exists for this. It exists for this. It exists for this. That's great. Those, might, those are areas that should be a part of the church. But why? What is the core message of the church on the face of the planet that would speed the second coming of Jesus Christ? It is this, just as the Father has sent me Jesus says, I'm sending you, church. I'm sending you. And so many times, you know, we, we can get caught up in doing so many different things, and, and the things we do become the why instead of the actual biblical reason why the church exists being the why. And the why is this, it's because there was a lost and broken and hurting generation that unless we proclaim the message to them, how will they hear unless we go and we are sent and understand we are sent by God? How? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? That's the question. Jesus wants us to do it. But here's the great thing about being a part of the church. We don't do it alone. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it as a family of faith that's called Faith Bible Chapel. We do it in groups. We do it through our small groups. We do it in teams. We serve as part of the impact team, what we do here at the church. We are a family. My friends, we are better together. How many are grateful you're a part of God's family here at Faith Bible Chapel? I am. I'm really, I really am. I really am. And Jesus says he's taking, he, he's, and he's talking to us, and, he, and he, this is what he says. He says this in John 15, 16, he says this, you didn't choose me, I chose you. 
In other words, we weren't the one that convicted our own hearts. We weren't the one that, that, that showed us that we were sinners. He chose us. And our response then was to say, we will submit to that. But then he says this, I appointed you. Everyone say appointed you. To go and produce lasting fruit. Well, when I think of lasting, I think of something that outlasts me. That's what I think about. Something that outlasts me. That there is momentum of my life that when I'm gone, my life continues. There's a legacy. There's a lasting fruit. Something that will be around for hundreds of years after I'm gone. And fruit means a productive life and a fruitful life. And Jesus says he wants the fruit of your life to last. Now, I don't mean to discourage anyone today, uh, but as I was thinking through this, I thought this. How much of what I do in life is actually going to last? Think about it. What things do we spend our time on and that people aren't even going to remember 10 years from now? Less than 30 years or 50 years or 100 years most of the things we do in our life, don't mean to be depressed or depressing this morning, it isn't going to last. Think about it. This building, in a hundred years, I don't know. We don't know. Nobody is going to care what movies I saw. Now there's anything wrong with movies. No one's going to care of your Netflix binge watch session this weekend, or what books you've read, or what we did this summer. There was nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus said this, I want you to do something with your life that lasts, that carries on. There are only two things that's going to last forever. The Word of God, or God's truth, and people. It's the only thing. If, if you were to invest your life in the truth of God and people, then you're investing your life into things that are going to last. And this is a message that is, that's unique and very difficult for us as, as an American church. Because everything that we do is about, is about something else. It's about, it's, it's about making our us last and build what we want to build here. And this is just the reality of where we're at. But can you imagine getting to heaven one day, knowing that you've invested in something that lasts forever, and, and, and someone says, listen, I just want to thank you. You don't know me. And I just, I, just, I just heard that you got to heaven, but I want to thank you because you helped in a ministry that impacted my life, and, and I was able to give my life to Jesus because of you. You helped a project, or you helped build an orphanage, or you helped build a church in a place that you were never even going to go to, but you did it anyway. And because of that, I'm here today. Because of that, a pastor was able to reach me, and, and because of you did that, that I'm here today. That's fruit that will last. Or you gave faithfully to Faith Bible Chapel week after week. You gave faithfully because, because you knew that that's what God was asking you to do as a follower of Jesus. And you allowed the church to be the church. You allowed the church to preach the gospel. You allowed leaders to do what they're called to do. And people came to know Jesus Christ. And I just want to thank you for being faithful at giving. 
You helped your church. You served on an impact team. You, you helped at serve day. You gave to world and global missions. And you didn't even know that I'm here today because you were faithful and you gave. You didn't push it to somebody else. You said, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to invest into fruit that will last. That's going to be an amazing day. But we won't have those conversations unless we invest into the fruit that will last. There is nothing you can do that's more important than helping people determine their destiny and the destiny of their lives because it's the only thing that's going to outlast us. That's it. And there are three areas we are sent to, three areas that we are called to have lasting fruit. The first one is this. It's our personal areas. And this is everyone here has people in your life that God has called you to reach. He's called you to touch. He's called you. If you're saved, my friend, you are called and you are sent by God. And these are the people in your life. These are your friends. These are your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers. And I just want to challenge you today. Begin to ask this question. How can I represent Jesus to them? What can I do to help them? What can I do to invest into their lives? Maybe you have a grandson that's lost, a granddaughter that's lost, children that are lost. What can I do to help them know Jesus Christ? What can I do to help them to know God? And that's going to be different depending on how you interact with them or what God's called you to do or your personality or how God's uniquely called you. But you begin to take the step that God's called you. You are sent to the areas around your personal life. It's the second place that you're called to, we are all called to, is our local area. For us, that's our city. That's where we are. And we want to do this here at Faith Bible Chapel through our small groups, through our serve day, through the church that you give to faithfully that we can care for the sick, we can care for the needy. We can do that through, maybe you can do it through tutoring someone or helping with an after-school program or serving together and serving one another. This is us committing to our church that we can be the church in this city and we can represent and invest in the fruit that will last forever. The third one is our global impact. This is where we are sent to. We're sent to our personal areas, our local areas, and our global areas. That's why our missionaries this morning, that's why it's important that we understand that we give to missions and global missions because there are people that cannot do what they are doing without our support. But they can touch and they can make fruit that will last forever and somehow we're a part of that. As I told the, the pastors in the back, I said, well, I, it is an honor that somehow we as a church are to have a small part in what you've been doing. And out of their humility, they said, no, no, you have a, a big part. That somehow that we are a part of what they're doing, that's what we're called to do. That's why in November we're going to have a missions weekend where we, we, we ask everyone to sacrificially think about what can you give monthly to give to the kingdom of God so that we could preach the gospel to places that will never hear it. One-third of the world is unreached. One-third of the world has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what is it that we can have fruit that will last? That we would invest into our global impact. And so we'll do a mission Sunday where I'll just ask you, hey, just pray about what God's asking you to do. And whether it's if you give $5 a month and you give $10 a month, if everybody gave something a month, we could reach more people for Jesus Christ. That's what we need to know. And so you think your $5 is insignificant? It is not insignificant. 
when you put the $5 with the other person giving $10, the other person giving $20 a month, the other person giving $1,000 a month, the other person what maybe God, you can give $10,000 a month, whatever that may be. But together, we get to bear fruit that'll last. Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. And so that's, that's what this is about, our global purpose. This is why we're doing mission trips. We have five of them that we're offering next year. My heart and desire is that you could get your feet on the ground and you could look eyeball to eyeball with somebody in another country and you could play with them and love them and help teach them and help serve them and build something for them. We would invest in the fruit, in fruit that will outlast you. But it's a commitment. And this is really God's purpose for us. That's why um, we need to understand this out of Acts 1, verse 8 says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Say witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A witness of what? What does that mean to be a witness? What does it mean? It means to represent Jesus, to be my witnesses. Jesus says you will represent me in your personal lives, in your local lives, and around the world. We can all be a part of that together. And whether we do this, here's the reality. It's our choice. For me, will we be the generation is the question. Will we be the generation that finishes the Great Commission, that reaches the one-third of the world, Maybe you will be the one who will go to a place that hasn't heard. Or there's always this opportunity. You will punt the commission to the next generation. Because we were focused on building something for us that we forgot it was about building something that will last forever. This is like our national deficit. At some point, Somebody's going to have to pay for that sucker. At some point. And so we just, we just keep kicking it down the road. Hopefully, if it's just not our generation, we'll just, maybe someone else will be responsible. But I know that's not you, and I know that's not this church. And I know God's doing something fresh and new in our midst. That we are, I'm asking God to help us feel the responsibility to be a witness to the ends of the earth and for the next generation to follow our example what it means to be all in. Paul says this out of Acts 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And that's my prayer for us. So how do we start it? One, we just simply pray for others. Because not all of us can go. I, I'm fully aware of that. Not all of us can go. Not all of us should go. All of us should be faithful, though, to do this first one and to pray. Jesus even commanded us to pray for others when it comes to reaching the lost. Out of Matthew 9, verse 38, he says this, Pray that the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into the field. And so parents, here's the challenge for you, mama. Ask the Lord to send your children to the mission field. If it's his will. Ask him. 
Mom and dads, pray. Lord, God, if you want this baby to go to be a worker in the fields, let it be. I will release them and I will help them to do it. Pray for others. Second thing you can do is you can help others go. You can help others go. And that's what I'm talking about for us as a church. We can help others go. We can do it. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. But we can do it together. That's the power of unity. That's the power. That's the purpose of the local church and the body of Christ. That's why John says this in 3 John 1.8. He says this. So we ourselves should support them that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. What does it mean to be a partner? It means you are helping them to go. And the third thing that you can do is you can just make a decision. You know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. I'm gonna, God, I'll do it. I, I will help. Whatever that may be, whatever God leads you to do, God, but I will, I will do it. That's what Isaiah did as he heard the Lord speaking. Isaiah heard God speaking in Isaiah 6, 8. He says this, therefore, I, I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? It's like Isaiah overheard God, which is interesting. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here I am, God. Send me. Like, get, I'm, I'm over here. I'm over here, God. Here I am. Send me. When's the last time you jumped up and down and said, pick me, God. Pick me. Instead, we were like, pick them, pick them, pick them. <laughs> Make a decision. Lord, I'll go wherever you ask me to go. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll give whatever you ask me to give. And I will trust you that you will be with me. And here's the reality. When, you're, when you were called of God and when, when you give to God and when you're investing in the fruit that will last, it is 100% volunteer. There's no draft. You don't get any letter. If you don't show up, an angel drags you out of bed. You have to say, Lord, I'm in. I'm willing. I'm able. Let's do it. This is about the posture of our hearts. Says God, I'll do anything you want. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll give anything you ask me to give. It's not about God. I, listen, God, I really, you know, I want to start a ministry, and I really want you to bless my ministry. Uh, let me tell you something. The best place to find your ministry is to start serving in another ministry. Most people miss out on ever discovering what God has for them because there's, there's this something in them that says, no, 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 I, I just, I, I want to do it myself. And you miss out on the whole purpose that God's called you to be a part of a church family. We don't say, God bless our plans. We say, God, listen, whatever you are planning today, whatever you are blessing, I want to be a part of it. And this is God's challenge to us. And the fourth one is this, my challenge to you. Just start now. Take a step. After Jesus brought freedom to a man who was tormented by demons, the man asked Jesus, please don't go. I don't want you to go, which I understand. Jesus just set him free, and he finally had peace in his life. And Jesus gave him a purpose, and he said, listen, no, no, I'm not going to stay, but this is what I want you to do. Luke 8, 39 says, son, I want you to return home, and I want you to tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away. He obeyed him, and he told him all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. This is what it means to be light in the midst of darkness. That's what God is saying to many of us. We need to go home. 
We start with our families. And you begin to tell people what Jesus has done for you. You need to tell people on your campus, if you're at school, at your business, in your neighborhood, begin to be the light. Begin to be God's love. Begin to know this is your why. This is your why. It's not something else. Your why is not to criticize the church. Your why is not to criticize other people. Your why is to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ so that they might be saved. So that you can have fruit that will last. The only thing that will last will be God's truth and the souls of mankind. And that's what we're called to do. We're to be a light in the midst of darkness. That's what this church is called to do, to help people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. That's why God's called us to be here. And that's what God's plan is for you. And God will lead you because he's a good father. God will will shape you because he's a good father. Trust me, you don't need to be like me. The world has enough of me's in them, that's for sure. You just need to be you. You need to let God lead you. And what does it mean to invest in the fruit that will last? Some people are called to go. Some people are called to give. There are people who have the gift. It's a spiritual gift of giving. And they give. And most of the people that God's gifted with the gift of giving are people that he's also gifted with many resources. Not all the time, but usually that's just how it is. God gives you the gift of giving. He knows he can trust you with the gift of giving. Then he gives you resources. Why? So that you can what? Give them to invest in the fruit that'll last. But somebody, some people don't have the resources. But you got this person. You said, God, send me. God, if you just bring someone who could, who could invest, bring someone who could just send me. There's a village that I want to go to, and I want to reach them and preach the gospel, but I don't have all the resources. And so all of a sudden, God links you with another person in the body of Christ to give this is what we're called to do to allow our unique gifts to allow us to be the light in the world so that they could hear the good news of Jesus Christ how many is up for that amen amen we hope that this message has spoken something personal to you if you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.